0: Ooh, we have a big-time party featuring a live band Yam House at our house. It is October 27th, and we got a great deal for you. Tickets are in the form of Venmo. We want you guys to Venmo us $16 at the back pocket. That's B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T. But there's a two-for-one deal. You guys are listening to this right now. That means you are in on the two-for-one deal. Tell in the comments, in the description of the Venmo... You will um, just tell us what the back pocket means to you and then tag a friend who's coming with you. You and that friend will be in the two for one deal and do the math, man. That's eight, eight bucks a person or one person's just getting real, being real nice and paying for you. Two for one deal at back pocket Venmo, 16 bucks. Tell us what the back pocket means to you. Now let's get after this marketing intern spotlight, a very special guest, Austin Harrington. Welcome to the Marketing Intern Spotlight. A marketing intern is a listener who's spreading our
1: message authentically. Hear their story, their passion, and their journey. Enjoy. Welcome, Austin Harrington, to the Back Pocket Podcast. How are you doing today, Austin?
2: Oh, man, we're doing great, boys. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So a little
0: background for everyone involved here. Thank you for listening to us. This is the Marketing Intern Spotlight. Austin Harrington, St. Thomas alum. St. Thomas football player, teammate of ours for two years, wide receiver. What did you graduate with?
2: Uh, Business entrepreneurship.
0: Okay, right on. And now what are you doing?
2: I am in the golf business. So I'm a golf professional. That means I'm not playing golf on tour. You're going to be watching me, but I am uh, at a facility kind of running the operation and teaching and also playing in a little PGA, uh, other professionals. You know, golf events.
1: Awesome. Cool. And I heard you've been kind of maneuvering your way into this career a while ago. And when you reached out to us, I was like, yes, I, this is some industry I am so unknowledgeable about. And I know it's the majority of golf clubs have golf pros, if not all of them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, so what does it take to be one of these guys? And is it like, a? Is it a can you make a living out of this? Or do you have to have a couple other jobs like w- with the podcast? Like this might not be a totally income career right now, but you have to figure out how to maneuver through it. So when you said to come on, I was like, yes, I want to learn and, and um, figure out how you got into this industry. So break it down to when you graduated. And was this kind of the intention you had right out of college? Or did it kind of find you later on?
2: Yeah, so when I was in my later years of college, I was uh, doing starting a business with a buddy who was called Coach Tech. His name was Kit Snyder. And we were doing products for coaches to use on the sideline. And I was always an entrepreneurship guy. I loved it. And I didn't love our business. I love the fact that we were creating a business, but I, I wasn't really a product driven. I'm such a passionate guy. Like whatever I'm doing, I want to just, you know, love that exactly thing I'm doing or what a, the product, whatever it is. So I started playing golf while we were kind of doing this. As I graduated college, I thought I maybe wanted to go into coaching for football, much. I just still love football. And I just started playing golf and I fell in love with it again. Like I couldn't stop playing. I worked at a course that summer and loved the business. And I always had this dream, and I still do, of owning my own course and owning my own like, health, and faci- health and wellness fitness facility. I just wanted the, the big country club. Even when I was a kid, when I just kind of played golf in the summers, I was like, you know, that would be an awesome dream. So I just jumped in after that. I was like, all right, how do I become a golf professional? And I reached out to some golf courses around, and one, one guy called me up and he's like, come on up, we'll do an interview and, and see. And I just told him my whole story, business entrepreneurship guy, football, love golf. And he's a younger, like 41-year-old guy, and he owns two, two courses up in uh, Albertville. And he said, yeah, um, we, had a, we went through our interview process, and he's like, listen, I love your energy, love your passion. We're gonna get you started on the PGA program route, which is uh, three levels you do uh, classes you go down to florida for a seminar do a workbook you have to pass playing tests and then once you do those three levels which takes the average person about four to five years um, you are a pga professional so that's you as you're working in the industry you're kind of going through this Mm -hmm. and once you become a pga professional then you get like the top jobs you know the top head professional jobs or the top teaching jobs whatever they kind of the PGA this, works that way.
0: So when you finish your five years, so what year are you in right now?
2: I am, um, I'm actually kind of going through it pretty fast. I'm almost done with level two and I started it uh about, I don't know, 18 months ago. Sweet. So yeah, I, uh, I'll hopefully be done with it in about two and a half years. And I'm looking to become like a class A professional Sweet. in the next year.
1: Awesome. And what are those things that kind of like you were surprised about when you... Um, we're going through this training process. So you're 18 months in. What were some of the biggest surprises? You're like, wow, I didn't know they were going to teach you on this type of thing. Or I, I'm actually pretty good at this already. Like that type. Was there anything kind of off the bat that surprised you?
2: Yeah. I think that the just like learning the golf swing for me was, you know, you, you think, oh, he swings a golf club. It's not, it is not simple by any means. And the way that they break it down, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. And then going into just the rules of golf, like playing in events and actually mm-hmm. playing competitive golf, it's like, wow, it's a lot different. And you have to kind of um, tiptoe around, you know, what you're doing. You can't just like maybe pick up your ball or whatever. So mm-hmm. I think getting acclimated to just a whole different world, not coming from playing competitive golf growing up and not really being around uh, the golf industry as much, was a shock. And then you know the teaching aspect of it. But going from business entrepreneurship and you know playing football on a team, you just kind of you, I had a good experience with businesses and how they run and. Kind of cultures to get involved with, so that was uh, that was kind of an easy pickup.
0: All right, cool. And would you say when you're competing competitively, the mental strain of you know getting acclimated with the rules, your swing thoughts, all those, the culmination of all those things, was that like a huge burden to you, or was it difficult at the beginning, um, getting used to all that stuff?
2: Yeah, it it still is difficult, and okay. I love it though. I mean, it's it's a real, it's fun and <laughs> have a good time with it, but my swing still breaks down when I go into you know big events just because of the pressure on it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you get out there and it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. This is, you know, you, you re- relax and settle down. get it. But it's hard when it, there's stress to actually pull off a shot and there's that pressure that's maybe not just right in your mind, but you know, if I chunk this and that's two shots, you know, my friend's not gonna be like, hey, here's another ball, you're good. Yeah. You, know, yep. or you have a four foot putt and, and you could blow it by and have seven feet coming back it's not mm-hmm. like when you're playing with your buddies like oh no pick it up man that's mm-hmm. good so i think just that pressure and then you you magnify that on tough tee shots that are tight mm-hmm. and you need to hit a good tee shot and there's out of bounds left a lot of right so it just it puts a lot of pressure in a game and the guys at the top level i well, after becoming like into this golf industry i just can't believe it i watch golf some of the tee shots those guys hit i don't know if you guys watch the Ryder cup yep i hope you did i did yep um, the the 18th. You guys know how the water was left. Mm-hmm, I saw JT and Rory go down there on the last day. Um, those that tee shot is unbelievable, and those guys are just pounding drivers straight down the middle. Mm-hmm. It's like that is unbelievable to me that you can step up on a big stage and hit that shot. Like, I don't think people understand how hard that is to do.
1: They make it seem so simple, and like your swing can be off by a mil like uh, one your hips come in too quick or your arms are not uh whatever it may be and the ball is not going straight like your swing has to be so fine-tuned to make sure like dustin johnson is hitting the ball 315 yards and his swing has to be perfect or if not it's gone like it's out of bounds. It's crazy to me, and then like we're out there, and you can have one shot in 18 rounds, one shot that is kind of similar to a professional. And you're like, I'm good at this game, and the rest of your game was atrocious. But you'll be like, all right, I'm good now. Like I'm gonna continue to play. I think that's the coolest part about golf, is the ability to relate to a professional because you can have one swing and be a professional, and and that'll motivate you. Versus like when you're playing football or soccer, it's not as Easy to be to act like a professional and to perform like a professional, but golf has that capability. I think that's really cool.
2: I think you hit it on the head there. That's exactly it. I mean, you're never going to be LeBron James playing basketball, but I can go out and hit a flip, uh, a huge flop shot like Phil Mickelson and hit the exact same shot and be like, oh yeah, I'm Phil. And then the (laughs) next shot, I'll just, you know, skull chunk it, you know, into the woods. (laughs) Right. I'm fortunately able to hit the ball pretty far, so I can just bomb a drive and be like, yep, I would have been by a couple guys there, but then you know, I missed the green with my wedge. So it's a, it's a fun game in that aspect, definitely. Cause you can hit, you can hit fun and good shots, like, like some of the guys and, mm-hmm. and relate to them. Very cool.
0: How about this? You, so you, you played football, obviously. Have you used anything from your football and athletic career in, in golf now and what you're doing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think for my football career, it's more in the business aspect and kind of myself as a PGA professional, mm-hmm. just, uh, I think the team aspect of playing football and how Caruso uh, taught us and being hard, you know, with the hard work and giving her everything and kind of finding that purpose and passion. I, I think with seeing members and customers in the daily, I just exude that, that you know high up-tempo energy. Like, mm-hmm. I love it, we're all here, let's go, you know, let's have a good day, guys. What's better than golf? Like, And I think that passion that I've taken from football, and kind of transitioned it into my life, whether it's playing golf or kind of in the business is really what what I, I put forth the most.
1: He does a great job with that. It's been incredible what we've been able to utilize and kind of talking to him on the, on our show that one uh, a few podcasts back really was an eye-opening experience of truly how much he is involved in our heads in this podcast. Like he has instilled so much of a mindset to... Um, be passionate to focus on those small details to be process oriented. Uh, the laundry list goes on and on. It's been so cool to have him in our lives to then take that on to a professional setting. And I kind of want to touch on. I said small details, and golf is all about fine-tuned details, like your swing. So what, is, like you, you were surprised by how fine-tuned you have to be to teach it. What are like the first steps? When you have, say, uh, a twelve-year-old, yeah, Declan, yep. yeah, that, that's a better question. So you have someone with a bad swing, yeah. and you have to you have to figure out what is necessary. What's the first steps to kind of, all right, he can make his. It's maybe his hips, or what? Can you walk us down that kind? Yeah,
2: of... for sure. Beginners is the, actually the easiest, mm-hmm. and it's it's the most fun I have when doing teaching because they I can see them get better so quickly. Like the advancements come a lot quicker. Now that doesn't mean that they turn into a scratch golfer, but the changes are happen easier. So when I uh, play with my buddies or see them, they're always like, Hey, come look at my swing it And it's so fun because they'll get it right and they'll click and be like, Whoa And i I just love seeing that. But um so with beginners golf swings generally on plane, you either are taking it outside and then you're dropping it inside, which we call out to in. Or you're taking it inside and dropping it outside to get the big hook slice and almost every baseball player almost all my football friends are taking it inside and come way over the top and out and hit the, the hard slice yep and basically just maybe switching the grip or the plane you can mess around and change that now if you really wanted to do like five lessons and get a consistent golf golf swing it'll take some time to fix it but you can it's it's pretty easy with an athlete at least like someone like declan who's Played football and has the capabilities and the physical. There's no physical limitations. Mm-hmm. He'll be able to, you know, figure it out pretty quickly.
0: Okay. And I've seen, you know, most golfers probably have this. Most average golfers, I should say, <laughs> have this issue of being consistent. And there, there will be times when I step on the tee box and I'll crush like a two seventy five down the fairway and I'm feeling great, you know, crushed it. Um, and then I'll come right back with my iron and slice it and get on in two or three and just ruin my ruin that you know shot um <laughs> in terms of consistency like i mentioned swing thoughts are there anything like when you co- say you were to coach me up and like keep that plane? is that a swing thought that i have to have for every shot from hole one to 18
2: um i would like to have ideally no swing thoughts maybe just one okay. that's something for an average golfer yeah you probably would want to have maybe one swing thought like that okay. um if when you get into a, maybe a higher, more competitive level, you want all your practice to be on the practice team. And once you're on the golf course, mm-hmm. you know, we're focusing on the shot. Mm. Now, if you're making like a fresh change, like we just did a couple of days before, you're going to, yeah, definitely think the way you're delivering it. But when you're playing golf, especially in any pressure situation, you want to be focused on the target. Like, I want you to see the target, see the ball, hit the shot. Because all the other stuff just gets into your head and then it can get out of hand pretty fast.
1: Okay. I like that. So going into a golf tournament, what does practice look like day before, a uh, few hours before, and then once you get eye on that tee box?
2: Yeah. So like all the tournaments that I play in, it's like, so all the other PGA professionals in Minnesota and North Dakota, it's called the Minnesota PGA section. And we have like our little assistance tour for all the assistant professionals. And then there's head professionals, like basically the head manager of the golf course. And then there's like owners and stuff, but... So, there's uh, tournaments for everybody, and then there's tournaments for just assistants, just head professionals, and then there's a couple tournaments for like all pros okay. as well. And then we have the big Minnesota State Open, which is for amateurs and everybody. That's the biggest uh, tournament in Minnesota every year. Gotcha. So, um, I am still pretty new to the game. Like, I am by no means a great player yet. Like, there are some really good players, and. Not everyone takes it as serious as me, maybe like the, a lot of these guys work, you know, 50 hours. They just kind of want to go on Monday and they play golf their whole life through high school and college and just kind of want to go play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, I know you guys saw my health and wellness thing, so I am pretty crazy about fitness and, you know, getting my body ready. So yep. for me, uh, practice the night before a tournament, I'll go out and just spend about two hours. I'll hit balls, putt and chip and then get a good night's sleep. Wake up, I hop on my foam roller for 45 or 35 minutes, roll out my whole body back with a vibrating foam roller. Love it. Um, then I'll kind of just head over to the golf course. I like to just listen to a little bit of music, start on the putting green, hit some putts, go to the driving range, come back, maybe hit a few more chips and putts, and mm-hmm. take off.
1: It's very similar, to, not very similar, but has the sim- similarities of when you played football. Right, you, you did everything to make sure you're mentally prepped prior to going to bed. Try to get the best night's sleep you can, and then you wake up and you, you do similar things in your warm up to kind of visualize what you're going to see. But this is totally, this is now, it's all on you, and you are the sole product of what is about to be. You have your team that kind of helps you with your swing, and maybe you have someone else helping you with your health and fitness, but it's you, it's your product, it's your swing. Um, and so, and you mentioned it perfectly, how you're very passionate about other things outside of golf that feed into golf. Mm -hmm. Um, and you send us that, uh, very awesome letter of kind of what your steps are to mentally prepare. Let's walk, let's go down that path right now. So health and fitness, where have you figured out, like where you fit into it and how have you absorbed the knowledge of this vast industry?
2: Yeah, so I always like to say first because I, I help some my friends and family or whatever Um, that I do not have the answers like this is what has worked for me mm-hmm. and It's made me the happiest. It's made me feel the best and it's it just kind of fit my lifestyle So it, it's not this isn't the exact guy. This isn't the perfect way to you know, be healthy and happy Um, this is just what works for me. So take that kind of as you may. It's mm-hmm. the
0: austin harrington guide.
2: Yes, yes, the austin harrington guide um, so yeah, so first there's kind of five steps in it, and it, it goes from hydration, nutrition, fitness, fasting, and pliability. Um, starting with hydration is the number one most important thing that we get preached to as football players, and and you know, your parents, say drink a lot of water, but like, you need to drink a lot of water. That should be like a number one priority in the day. I go for about 200 uh, ounces a day, which, what's this, like, it's probably 32. 20, 32. Nice. So, yeah, mm-hmm. if you kind of take that into consideration, oh. I mean, people just don't understand. I have this big jug of fi- that's 50 milliliters, or, or I'm sorry, 50 ounces. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'll have like four or five of those. And I like to have like 100 ounces before like 11 o'clock. Okay. Like I'm just, I get to work or whatever and it's pounding water in the morning mm-hmm. during my fast. Okay, so anyway, hydration. Um, and obviously the benefits of that are just, you know, increased brain activity, satisfies your hunger. Energy, skincare. I mean,
1: we're told that like a glass of water to start your day is the most important thing. Before you drink coffee, before you have your banana or whatever your breakfast may be, just a sixteen ounce, eight ounce glass of water is in- extremely important. It is totally refreshing, and your body will t- respond to that positively right away. It's the biggest change you can make in your life.
2: Absolutely, because other drinks are dehydrating. Coffee is dehydrating. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have a coffee, you really need to replenish it at a, two to, a with water at a two to one ratio. Mm-hmm. Two waters for every coffee you have. So yeah, my dad would always wake up and put coffee on first thing in the morning. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're just, you're killing your body. I really think you should have, you know, three to four bottles of water before you have anything else in the morning. Okay, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And How that's about for I, the people
0: that struggle like Or not struggle, but just get up at uh, an absurd hour in the morning, like five or six, and they just need something to get them going. Do you still suggest like water, get through it? Yeah. And get to work and have your coffee? So
2: I'm, I'm always up in the middle of summer. I'm up at like 435 every day. Okay. And I do fasting, so it's a little bit different. Now with food, I really believe that people should fast in the morning, but if you need energy, like there are some things that people need to do in the world where you just need energy, like food Mm -hmm. gives you energy, right? The main reason we eat food is for energy and to recover. Mm -hmm. So some people need energy. And if you do absolutely eat, but I would try to, you know, at least have a water with your food and, you know, have more water because it's going down, but
1: yeah, the intention of having like, that's what you just said very briefly was the importance of food is to replenish the body and provide energy. How many people actually think about food that way versus I need to just fill myself up because I'm hungry? That's probably the primarily thought process someone has when they go down to Five Guys or they're making their meal that night. Um, It's like I need to make enough food that I'm going to be full. Not I'm going to make enough food that I'm now going to be revived for my long day or and or I now have energy for tomorrow. Like having that mindset is – it's not life it is life-changing it'll totally change your perspective on what you need to eat and how you need to eat it
2: yeah and yeah like you were just saying it's people they don't think about these things and Mm -hmm. once you start thinking about what you're putting in your body and you kind of have a purpose and not everyone's as motivated as maybe some of us are but it'll change the way you feel and that's the biggest thing. Like once you start eating the right way for energy or for replenishing after a workout or a long day, it will absolutely change the way you feel. So going in, kind of supplementing off what you were saying, my average day, I'll fast from um, 6 a.m. to noon, let's say. So it's, it's a six hour block. So intermittent fasting is a, you eat, you're uh, fasting for six, or a 16 hour block. So if I stop eating at 8 p.m. the night before, I need to wait till uh, 12 a.m. the next day or 12 right? p.m. Yeah, 12 p.m. Yep. Uh, 12 p.m. the next day. And that gives me my 16 hours. Um, so I will fast in the morning. And this is always when I feel the best of the day because mm-hmm. food kind of weighs me down. Like after you get over the f- first two weeks of intermittent fasting, it's like, oh, man, I'm so hungry right now. Uh, then it just kind of turns into that. You get, you're getting energy from your body. Your body's burning fat and your digestive system and your liver's working to where you are getting that energy in the morning. And my brain is so clear. I I, I can't stress enough, if people haven't tried intermittent fasting, how good it feels once you get into it in the morning. Totally Dr. agree.
0: Um, so because I've been doing it for the last five months and I had done it in a period prior in my life. And the hardest part's the very first time you do it and like that first week because your body's used to getting that eggs and toast in the morning or getting that oatmeal or whatever it is and then you cut that off and it's like i it wants it right um but you train yourself you get a ton of water in your body you keep it going you stay committed after that first week it not it uses your body's fat right as Mm -hmm. energy in the morning and that once you get into that cycle it totally changes like your your mentality it's awesome
2: absolutely yeah and going back to what andrew said with um kind of replenishing your body, giving you energy. So I will fast in the morning and then I will eat like an oatmeal or fruit, um, with like some protein powder, uh, or peanut butter. But the main meal is like oats and some sort of fruit to give me energy for the day. Mm -hmm. That's the first meal because I'm going to use this, you know, when I go work out or when I go play golf, and as we go through the day, then I'll kind of transition to maybe some nuts, um, a protein bar because you're on the go, whatever it is, a protein shake, stuff that is also replenishing, but going to hopefully have some fruits or some whole wheat just to c- continue to give me energy through the day. And then as soon as I'm done, you know, with my workout or a long day of golf and, you know, working, then I'll bring in the calories like chicken, vegetables, ideally, a lot of proteins, but that's when like my huge meals at the end of the day, even mm-hmm. if you want to go have like a burger or something not, you know, super clean, but that fills you and satiates you because at the end of the day, like at nine o'clock, I don't need to have energy to fly around. Like I'm, I need to fill my body up, replenish. Now I can relax. Mm-hmm. Like if I ate a cheeseburger or let's say, a you know, a big, a nice big chicken sandwich with sweet potato fries, that's like one of my favorite, like yum meals. There you go. Love it. Um, if I ate that at 9 a.m. in the day or in the morning, like when I'm getting my day started, trying to be pumped up, have energy and yep. get, you know, crushed a day, I'm never going to get any done. I'm, I'm out. If you made me eat that at 9 a.m., dude, I'd be like
1: pass <laughs> out. Like,
2: I'm not doing anything for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think that most people or your average person, they just kind of don't realize that they, make, they wake up and they put like pancakes in or like cereal and they eat all of them. And then they're maybe a the little sugar rush down and then they're just kind of dragging the day and they're like, oh, why do I not feel great? Well, started with your pancakes. Yeah. Well, and like people don't recognize like the back end work
0: of food and nutrition to the performance and their desires on the front end of life. So on the front end of life, you want to be the best you can be, um, motivated and passionate. Exactly. Yeah. All yeah. those all those things we've kind of hit. I don't think people really realize that. Um, another thing too is you know like these mental things that you gotta. Fuel yourself um, and kind of train your your mind for when you get into situations that um, don't necessarily go your way or you're just kind of in a rut or you hit a bad shot off the tee box, maybe. What are um, these mental things that you rely on? It's like what's in your back pocket is how we say it. It's like what's in what's in your back pocket that you rely on? You're like, okay, I can send it on this. I can rely on this mental quality to I will, I will meal prep and make sure I'm ready
1: for the day. That type of thing. Exactly. What's in What's in your back pocket?
2: And are you talking about when this relates to golf or just in general? In general,
1: in your in life. Just, and I think, yeah, averagely what's in your life. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, I think when, if I'm going to relate it to golf, um, it's having like the mental focus and the time to just go back to the task at hand, uh, with stress. I know I watched one of you guys's last podcast as my marketing intern myself. And, mm-hmm. uh, they were talking about stress and how that's, like, I forget what he said. He said it was a positive but also a negative because he, like, realizes that stress that he has. Was this Matt yeah. Weist? I think so. Okay, Dr. Matt Weist Center of
0: Movement, episode 33.
2: Can you, can you guys put a little context into what he, yeah. what he said about stress? Do you guys remember? Do you remember, Andrew?
0: Not exactly. Um, What part was it? It was, like, kind of towards the beginning? Like, how his life is kind of hectic and, like, he has to manage that
2: yeah he said that no he said that he like had or anxiety I'm sorry he said he has like anxiety and- yeah okay
0: yeah oh, now we're getting use it yeah okay he so anxiety is the context is like anxiety happens when something uh, is in the future and depression feelings of depression is something from the past mm-hmm. so when you're as like an entrepreneur you get in these situations where you're like dude I need to get this done I need to get, accomplish this goal you have milestones and those are always in the future and so that's what builds that anxiety builds that stress and it's simply just recognizing that it's there and then Understanding that it's a longer process. Yeah, and you got to just trust your process of getting better every single day That's kind of where his mindset was.
2: Yeah, so that's that's what I kind of wanted to piggyback off of is that that You have that anxiety, but a lot of people will just kind of let that anxiety sit like they'll think about it Oh man, it's just kind of there. What could happen? Mm I, you use that to just go to work. Like, what can I do right now to get that done with whether it's, I don't know, maybe you have a big test to take or uh, I could have a big, you know, PGA test or workbook thing you have to get done. Like thinking about it and having that anxiety about the future, like that, I actually think that helps you and it motivates you, but it can definitely be a big negative if you just let it, if you just sit there and let it consume you, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. Um, just Put a plan in place, find the steps, and get it done. When I was when I was going into PJ professional, I mean, I graduated college. I had no idea about the golf business. The average round at a golf course I would shoot is probably 95. I mean, hitting a huge slice. I'm. It was a terrible golfer, but I loved it. And if to get to where I am now, like two and a half years, like I, I would have, if I would have thought about it back then, I would have had all these no way. I would have these things. I how would that even happen? And obviously, people would say that you know no. No chance, but you just you just start going to work, you know work out. I'm gonna go practice golf I'm gonna start interviewing for for jobs. I'm gonna find a job. All right. What's the next step? What's the next step and it's just obviously then you get to them and that's basically Yeah, it's basically how they say set short-term goals, but it's not letting the anxiety of the long-term, you know finish line kind of ruin your plans, if mm. that makes sense.
0: Yep, that's and, a great way to put it.
2: And going and it's going to work every day like Glenn said in his thing, just what can I do today to get better? And that's something that I just love because I every day I plan out like each hour of my day. If I waste time, it kills me and the opportunity cost, you guys know opportunity cost of doing you know obviously doing something else. Yep. You know. Losing out on the other things. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um it's something that kind of I I always am thinking about, like, if I'm going to go spend a, a Sunday with my family at the fair, like, that's going to be a great time, right? But at the same time, I could be using those six hours to practice or, or work on PGA work or mm-hmm. whatever. And you, like, you're going to go out. Not only for, like, if you go out one night from 8 to 1 or that time that you could be used sleeping, recovering, you know, thinking, whatever you do. Mm-hmm. You're also losing the opportunity cost maybe in the morning of... Feeling hungover, not being, you know, as flexible or as hydrated as you can be for the next day. So, it's something that I'm always thinking about, like when I'm planning stuff out, what I'm gonna do, and it's also kind of a negative for me because I, I, it's harder for me to enjoy uh, maybe fun things when I'm thinking, oh man, I could be, you know, doing this. Mm-hmm. Like if I go, if we're going on like a day or two trip, I'm like, wow, yeah, that's gonna be a great time. But like, that's two days I'm away from pushing getting better I struggle
0: with that mightily that is like my average quality right now is especially now that we're in sober october and i don't have the excuse to go out with friends and you know participate in these fun activities just because not because of the drinking aspect but just my mindset on all of it now it's just like okay i and the the best part about it is is like we all love what we're doing we love podcasting we love the production yeah it's so much fun, and that's the really the reason that you're having that thought in your head when you're out having those that fun. But I think what your dad said, Andrew, is like moderation. Live life in moderation.
1: Finding a balance. Finding the balance. Mm-hmm. I, and what he was talking about, like having that passion. I thought the coolest thing that you, like when you reached out to us, and you were kind of like, hey, I, gar- I graduated. Um, I th- you'll probably remember me uh, as your teammate, St. Thomas. You know, I, I'm not that same person. Like, mm. you, I was... I was your I was your teammate, I was your friend, and we had a great time, but I'm not that same person anymore, and it wasn't saying that your old person was bad, I'm not saying that, not that's not what you were saying, it was saying you've changed your way, or you've grown in a way that you feel, this is who you are now, and I love who I am, and you have that intention, and like, that's the coolest thing, like, we are not the people we were when we graduated in May, with this podcast, you are not the same, two and a half years, you couldn't see where you were two and a half years ago and where you are now, it's, you're, you're talking about it night and day and two and a half years in, um, from now, like that's gonna be even cooler to reflect on. I think one of the coolest things is finding that intention. And that's the hardest thing to do is what is that intention gonna lie? Is it gonna be set into your passion or is it gonna have, are you gonna have to be a grinder and work through something that maybe you don't love? And maybe that will lead to your passion. It's one of, it's the most difficult thing is finding that meaning of and purpose of what life should be and mm. where you're headed right now you have that deep deep desire to continue to forward and you're setting those short-term goals with a long-term goal ahead of that and not letting anxiety creep in to eliminate the short-term goals. It's it's so cool to hear how you're structuring your life and how you're moving forward in your day-to-day routine because it is so bloody hard. It is so bloody hard to want to achieve this great feat but stay focused on the process and not get overwhelmed.
2: It, it honestly really is, it's it's really tough. And Andrew kind of going off like you said, you're, that's your average quality right now is time yeah. management. Mm-hmm. And I would say mine is too because I love what I do. I love my job and I love golf and I, I really love health and fitness. Although as much as we talk about, I'm not always perfect. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I love a good sugar rush from time to time. but. I, I really love what I do. And I'm kind of up at, in Albertville right now, which is, you know, 40, about 40 minutes north of here. Mm-hmm. So when I'm, I'm loving each day, but at the same time, that opportunity. Like I also have, all my friends are here, my family, and like, I want to spend time with them. I mean, relationships and the people are probably the most important thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But when you're kind of just loving what you're doing and I'm trying to utilize the most of every day, it's really hard to come back and spend time with the people you love Mm -hmm. and really, yeah, time manage that when it takes away from kind of what you're trying to do. Exactly. And and obviously, like you said, the moderation, uh, you got to find a balance and I'm trying to find it, but, uh, yeah, you definitely got to find, find the balance. And there was a, this thing, I forget who I was talking to about it. Um, it was my, Oh, okay. My old, uh, my old football coach from Minnetonka, um, we're talking about percent committed to whatever your goal is. Like, let's say you guys know Adam Thielen. Yes. I uh, I worked out with Adam Thielen through college when I was at St. Cloud State, and uh, man, I, first of all, I just love that guy. Um, I don't know him super well. Like we worked out, like you know, first names and stuff. And he was a uh, he he um, he has gotten so much better. When I would run routes with him, uh, I don't know what is that six years ago now. He he was good. We were all like, he's a good player. But, I was like, yeah, he's a pretty good D2 player. Like, he might have the shot at playing in the NFL. And I think everyone would probably agree with that. Mm-hmm. he gets got so much better. And he grinded and worked his way there. And he continues to trust the process and kind of set those short-term goals and, uh, and get to where he wants to be. But back to what my original thought was, the percent committed. So Adam Thielen, I would say, is like 80% committed to being... The best professional football player ever. People, are like, wow, Austin, how can you not, uh, how can you not be more committed than Adam Thielen? Because I mean, all the guy does is like work out, watch film and stuff. Well, he does have a family and kind of has his other charitable things. If in in an ideal world with money and you had no relationships, if all he did was work out, watch film, run routes, play football, he spent you know the 16 hours in the day. Didn't ever spend time with the he would be 100% committed. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So not that that's a healthy lifestyle or like that's not good, Mm -hmm. but that's... So then you get a guy like Steve Jobs who basically just committed his whole life to Apple. I mean, it was Apple. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you put him at like a 93, 95% committed. I mean, he would go out and have some fun and stuff. But, I mean, all his life was about was getting Apple to the top and, Mm -hmm. you know, making it better. So
0: where does the... Where would you draw the line in terms of people right now? Where would you want that? What percentage would we want to be at?
2: I think Feelings is pretty 80. perfect with okay. his family, but it's like Steve Jobs accomplished something so great, historic, historic. But if you ask him now, like you know about his life, he's empty. And there's quotes that I forget what the quote is at the end of his life, but he he wasn't he wasn't as happy anymore because he just he didn't have that meaningful relationship and family, mm-hmm. and it wasn't happy. You know, his deathbed, yeah, I created this huge company and forged the industry. But, you know, that be... So, obviously, you got to find what your goal and what that commitment is, to, mm-hmm. And that's why I think people who are religious... Um, I have a very good best friend who's uh, very religious and his wife is very religious. And um, he has found his identity. So, he's 100% committed to being a follower of Jesus Christ and the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like that's perfect for him. So it's hard. He might not be, you know, committed to his job or whatever his goals are, but he's a hundred percent committed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And for him, that gives him such a self, a feeling of fulfillment and like following in life that he is just, you know, out of of all my friends, he's probably the most like happy and fulfilled at this point in his life because Mm -hmm. he's found his identity and kind of just has that full commitment to that.
1: That's awesome. It's so hard. And a few things that you mentioned there, it, we're not perfect. We're trying so hard to be not perfect, but just continue to move forward. And we're going to, we talk about all these um, really cool attributes that we're striving to be. But like you said, sometimes you, you have that sugar rush and that can be applicable to everything. You might have a, a step back or you might step sideways, but that mindset, that intention never goes away. You're always going to try to move forward. We're your wildly average podcast. We talk about all the things that we fail about and we love that we fail because then it gives us an opportunity to grow. And your story's been awesome, Austin. So thank you so much for joining us. We got two final questions for you. Uh, We'll kind of hit you home really quick. The first one is, um, what does being a marketing intern mean to you?
2: Um, I think that following you guys has been so exciting for me. Like you said, when I reached out, um, I kind of just looked into what you're doing. And I never thought I would be on the podcast. I just kind of wanted to learn, you know, what what are you guys up to and how's the process going as it was always my goal and dream to start a podcast as well and just never got around to it so being a marketing intern means I think I'm part of the team like I'm part of the I feel like I'm part of the following like you're in the family yeah we're mm-hmm. right I'm riding the wave with you although I might not be getting a check when you guys make it big <laughs> but uh, I think yeah just kind of riding the wave and seeing where you guys go and hopefully uh, helping out in any way I can
0: that's awesome thank you for that yeah mm-hmm. and then Are we going to? Yeah. Final question. Final question. Here we go. Fire up. (laughs) From the time you woke up to the time we're podcasting right now, what did you learn today?
2: What did I learn today? Huh? It is kind of early,
0: but (laughs) nonetheless.
2: Man, I learned that every opportunity uh, that you get for each day and especially opportunity to connect with two old St. Thomas uh, graduates is an awesome thing, and we talk about being committed to your goals or whatever it is, and you don't want to be a hundred percent committed because then you're not going to have the love and relationship. If you're, mm-hmm. if it's like a goal of being the best NFL player or your job, you need the balance. And I think that relationships are the most important thing in this world, mm-hmm. and to have that relationship with you guys now, know you guys better, is uh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, my my why in life is to shine a positive light on the people around me while pursuing the best version of me possible. Mm, love that. And I want to get that light to extend you know, as far as I can and to as many people as possible, and hopefully we can uh, keep it rolling together.
0: Ah,
1: love it, Austin. Thank you. Well,
0: I think that was uh, your why was exuded on this podcast, and you didn't even say it until the very end, so I hope everyone agrees. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for coming on, buddy. That Absolutely,
2: guys.